Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So, so my wife earlier this week says, I don't know what's going on, but like, I've had like these a recurring thought about snakes in my head. It was probably because my son, you know, we, we have a bunch of bull snakes uh, uh, around our place, and, and we have one particular uh, bull snake that um, I think he's a different species because, uh, and, and I have termed it Longranchicus anacondus. This is this bull snake. At least that's the way my wife sees it. You know, it's about this long. But when my wife sees it, it is about 92 feet long, has fangs, and uh, two pistols, you know, but that's the way she is, you know. And so she was telling me about how this big bull snake went under the old house that's behind our house that one day will get torn down. And that made me think of whenever we, when we first got married, we, we lived on another ranch, and then we decided to buy a, 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 a trailer house, a double wide. I mean, we, we, were, we were high-class rednecks, right? We had the double wide. Yeah, yeah we were, <laughs> we want that low-class single wide. We was double wide folk. And so, anyway, we, we, we take a part of the ranch, uh, of our ranch, and, and my family was nice enough to sell me a couple of acres so that I could have my own little place within the ranch and so we go out there to start clearing off this little spot where we're gonna put this trailer and and I had actually lived right there uh in in a travel trailer not too long ago because there was an old house there you know 50 years ago that my great-grandmother had lived in and the 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 cement slab for the porch was still there so we're gonna go to clean everything up right and I'm on the tractor and my wife's down there kind of helping guide me as we, you know, because it was all broken. So I lift a corner of this uh, uh, cement up, and there's a bunch of rattlesnakes under there. She's like, there's snakes, there's snakes, there's snakes. And in West Texas, I mean, that's, anytime you lift something up, there's going to be a snake under it, okay? So this wasn't, didn't come as a surprise. But I told my beloved bride, the love of my life, I was like, well, go get my snake catcher and catch one of them. And she turns into meatloaf, and she was like, I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. So I have to get off the tractor. She runs a tractor, and we ended up killing 17 snakes right where we're going to put our new house. <laughs> Welcome to Texas. You know, my, my dream was to raise my kids on that ranch that stretched from my great-grandmother to my grandfather to the same ranch that my daddy was raised on. And that was my dream. It was to be the, what, fourth generation and, and maybe even raise the fifth generation on this ranch. And, you know, I'd given my life to God. I, I, I'm a pastor in Texas. I thought my life, seriously, was complete. Man, I was living on the ranch. I was doing God's work. I had another uh, great paying job had a plane that used to come and pick me up. Man, it, 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 I didn't think it could get any better than that. You know, I wanted to be part of a legacy and leave my own part written in the dust and mesquite. 
of West Texas. But then God came to me through a set of circumstances. No burning bush, no, no burning mesquite bush, okay? It wasn't a burning bush. But he gave me a choice. He said, now, this is your dream, and you can have that. But are you willing to trade all of that for what I want to give you? You can't have both. You can have your dreams, or you can have what I desire for you. Basically, God asked me, what are you doing here? Well, I answered him, and I was like, well, I'm spreading your word, and I've lost friends because I've become a preacher, and I don't drink beer you know, every single night of the week, and I, and I don't live the same life that I used to live, and you know, I'm trying to live for you. And, and quite frankly, I'm, I, you ask me, what am, I, what am I doing here? I'm busting my butt for you. That's what I'm doing, God. And then he asked me again, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I'm giving my life to you. I'm struggling. I'm trying to raise my kids. I'm trying to be a good husband. Struggling. But, but God, you're God. You know all of this. So why do you keep asking? What am I doing here? What do you mean, what am I doing here? So God told me, go back to where you started. And see, where I started was in that double-wide trailer house, in my bedroom. I'd given my heart to God whenever I was a teenager. But I was many years later when I gave him my life, and I did it very simply. I said, I will, God, I don't know what you could do with a sorry cowboy like me. This is long before I'm a preacher. I said, God, I don't know what you could do with a sorry cowboy like me. But if you'll have me, I'll go where you want me to go, do what you want me to do, say what you want me to say, and be who you want me to be. So God called my bluff and said, are you willing to do all of that? Are you willing to leave everything you ever wanted for everything I ever wanted for you? So me and my family, a lovely girl, and two kids left everything behind and moved to Kiowa, Colorado to start a ministry. Sometimes a Christian life seems unfair. God asks us to give everything while the rest of the world tries to get everything. And, and, it, and it seems unfair. And this is the final installment in a three-part sermon series called Unfair, where we, where we look and see, is what, God asking, is what God is asking us to do, is it unfair? You know, we talked about how it, it, it's, uh, it seems unfair in our relationships with others when God tells us to turn the other cheek in it, and if somebody asks us to carry their pack for one mile, carry it two miles, and we're supposed to forgive and we're supposed to... Pray for those that, that, that hate us because if we don't, or we're supposed to love those that hate us because if we only love the people that love us back, we get no credit for that because even the heathens and unsaved do that. Is it unfair? And then last week we talked about where Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. And we talked about types of giving, of sacrificial giving, and giving even when it's uh, not convenient. And this week we're going to talk about how. God asks us to give everything, to give our entire lives. Is that unfair? 
God asks us to give everything while the rest of the world tries to get everything. In 1 Kings chapter 19 is the story of Elijah. Okay? Now, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets uh, ever. I mean, he was right there with Moses when Jesus went up on the mount during the transfiguration. It's Moses and Elijah. I mean, this, this dude is as good as they come. He does uh, battle with the prophets of Baal. I mean, it, this, this dude is the real deal. But towards the end of his life, man, Elijah has just done a battle with the prophets of Baal. And, and now Jezebel wants to kill him. And so Elijah flees. He's not scared of 300 prophets of Baal, but he's scared of Jezebel. So he runs off. And God asks him a question. He says, what are you doing here? So Elijah answers God, and he says, well, I, I, I'm serving you, and, but everyone has turned down your altars and broken their covenants with you and killed all the prophets except me, and now they're trying to kill me. And he's basically whining, feeling sorry for himself. I don't know that y'all have ever done that. What are you doing here? God asks him a second time. So Elijah answers, well, I've zealously served you and everyone you torn down your all. And he says the same thing, right? He, he, he's whining again. So God says, go back to where you started. Go back to where you started and anoint Elisha as your successor. So Elijah is told to go, Elijah is told to go find Elisha and make him assistant and take over as prophet after Elijah is gone. So Elijah does what God told him. God asks him, what are you doing here? You're, you're running from Jezebel. What are you doing here? Go back to where you started. So Elijah does. He goes back to where it all started. And he finds Elisha plowing a field with a couple of oxen with 11 other teams. Elijah walks out and throws his cloak over Elisha. And just walks away. Now that may not seem like much to us. But in those days. That was basically saying. You're going to be my assistant. Or what we might refer to as voluntold. Right? Elisha runs after him. And says. Hey. Wait. 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 First let me go kiss my mother and father goodbye. And I will go with you. And Elijah says. Well go on back. But think about what I've done to you. Well, Elisha goes back. Now, I don't know if he said, I don't know if he kissed his mom and dad goodbye. Because the Bible doesn't say that he did that. But what does the Bible say that Elisha did whenever he went back? Elisha, go, Elisha goes back and butchers the two oxen that he used for all of his livelihood. And breaks the yoke that holds the plow and everything. And he uses the wood from the oxen yoke to build a fire so that he can barbecue his oxen. Maybe he cut out the briskets and put some bacon on it. I don't know. Amen, I don't know. And he feeds everybody everything that he has. Everything that he has. In other words, Elisha left himself nothing to go back to. Elisha left himself nothing to go back to. Because you see, when you start following God and, 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 and you accept that call, when he says, what are you doing here? 
when you do that, man, when you start really following God, when things get hard, we have a tendency, we want to run back to where it's safe. We want to run back to where it's safe. But see, safe doesn't necessarily mean safe. It means going back to what we knew before, where we were comfortable, even though some of that is addictions. Some of that safe, what we run back to instead of following God, because things get hard, what we run back to is is abusive relationships. What we run back to is is heartache. What we run back to is is struggle. Because we get it in our mind that when we're following God, that, that the old times used to be better. Well, he didn't. The only better is following God. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Sometimes it seems unfair for God to ask us to give up everything we want for everything he wants. But listen, when God calls us, when God calls us, when he asks you, what are you doing here? He's calling us into something better, not something easier. Don't forget that. When God asks you, what are you doing here? He's not calling you to something easier. He's calling you to something better. He's calling you something better. But we got to be like Elisha. When we leave, we got to burn everything. I can't tell you how many times when we moved up here, I still had a double wide trailer in Kinosa, Texas on our family ranch. For about three years, I cannot tell you how many times it would have been easy. I could have had my job back. I could have just said, you know what, God, I tried. I don't need these people that are talking bad about me in the community and accusing me of all of this stuff. I don't need it. I could go back in a heartbeat. And then a miracle happened. The double wide burned to the ground. I ain't joking. I get a call from my dad. Actually, I got a text from my loving father. Call Lee. Now, Lee was my next door neighbor a mile away. Call Lee. Your house is on fire. So I call Lee. (laughs) He answers, hello. I said, how bad is it? He said, I'm six miles away and I can see the flames. I said, is everybody okay? Because we had some renters in there. He said, yep, everybody's okay. I lost $80,000 that day because whenever I moved up here, I couldn't afford full coverage insurance on it. So all I had was pay off, and it was within $10,000 of being paid off. I barbecued my oxen on a double-wide trailer fire, and I've never thought about going back since. Leave it all behind. That's what it takes to follow God. Leave nothing behind. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21. Then he went with Elisha as his assistant. Then he went with Elisha as his assistant. He left everything behind, left nothing to go back to. Burned everything. If you want to follow God, you got to leave everything else behind. There's also three other people 
that Jesus talks to. And man, the, the, these, these statements seem so unfair by our God, by our Lord and Savior. This one guy says to Jesus, he says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What Jesus was telling that guy is, you will follow me as long as it's easy, but you'll quit when it gets hard. Because, see, Jesus knows our hearts. Person number two, Jesus tells him, hey, why don't you come and follow me? And the guy says, well, let me first go bury my father, and then I'll come. Now, th that, that sounds like his dad has died. His dad was not dead. If he left, he loses his inheritance, okay? He's like, hey, let me get my inheritance first, and then I'll come follow you all day long, God. Let, look, just hang on. Hang on. I, I'll follow you. But, but let me get what's mine first. See what that guy was saying. I'll, I'll follow you, God, when it's convenient. And the third person, Jesus says, come and follow me. And the guy says, first, let me say goodbye to my family. Not unlike what Elisha did. But then Jesus says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Man, all of those things sound so unfair, doesn't it? But see, Jesus isn't trying to be unfair with these statements. He's trying to, he's trying to get us to recognize what our limit is. You say you'll do anything for God. Except what? Except what? You'll follow God whenever you get your inheritance, when it becomes easy, when you get that better job. Or I will start following God um, as long as it's easy. As long as God answers all my prayers and makes all of my problems go away, I'll follow him. It seems unfair. But you see... Whatever you put before God becomes your limit. I literally had somebody say this. Actually, it's been several times in, in several different ways, but something like this. I had a person tell me, I don't care what you say, preacher. I will never love God more than my kids. I will never put God before my kids. Would God ask us to do that? Yes, he would. He wants you to put him before your kids. But why? Hang on. Because when you put God first, God is love. When you put him first, he fills you up with love where you, he allows you to love your children more than you could in the first place. Of course he wants you to put him first. When you put him first, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else I will give unto you. You can, I, I'll let you love your kids with a passion and, and, and an ability that you could never reach on your own. So yes, he is asking you to love him more than your kids. But by doing so, you will be able to love your kids more than you could have ever done in the first place. Because whatever you put before God becomes your limit. Did Jesus not say, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly? Well, yeah. He did. But whatever you put before that abundance keeps that abundance from happening. Whatever you put before God becomes your limit. What are you putting before God? Is it your job? Is it your spouse? 
Is it your comfort? Is it your money? Is it your ego? Maybe it's your reputation. You don't want to be known as one of those Jesus freaks, one of those religious nut jobs. You know, in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, Jesus says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. See, God wants you to give everything. And he only asks one thing in return. Everything. Will you trade everything you have for everything God has? He wants to make you his heir. He wants to give you everything. Maybe not everything you want. But everything he has to offer that will grow you and let you spend eternity in heaven with him. What will it take? Well, what will it take? It'll take this. In Luke 9, 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what it'll take. Take up your cross and follow me. There's a, somebody told me a story. I have not seen the movie, and I don't even remember the movie's name. But there was two twin boys. One was just better than the other one at everything. And the only thing uh, number two was good at was swimming. And he'd never beaten his twin brother at anything, not grades, not sports, not a chess game, not checkers, nothing. But one day, the younger twin challenged the older one to a race, swimming. He's like, you can't beat me, and you know it. And he said, well, at least let me try. So he said, okay. So they go out to this lake, and when, when we're talking about a lake, we're talking about you can barely see the other side. Some might call it like, like the Sea of Galilee, because that's the way it is. It's just kind of a lake, but you can barely see the other side. So they get into the water, and they say, go. And the younger one, man, he's doing good. And the, the older one's like, oh, my gosh. So he starts swimming hard, and the younger one pulls away from him and finally stops. And waits on his brother. He's like, eh, something happened. We're going to do this again. So he said, okay, fine. And so he plays with him. The younger brother does. And he's swimming and he's swimming and he's swimming. And the other one is right there. His older brother's right there with him. And then he pulls ahead. And gets out there. And then waits on him. And the older brother says, he finally catches up. And he says, I don't understand how you're doing this. But we've got to go back now. We've come too far. And he said, well, we're closer to the other side now. So why don't we keep going? He said, I don't think we can, but you've got to tell me, how were you able to do this? And the younger brother said, I'll tell you the reason I was able to do this. It's because I saved nothing for the return. He expended all of his energy. He had no intention of going back. That's what it means to take up your cross every day. And follow Jesus. It means to go all in. How are you doing this? I didn't save anything for going back. Are you all in? Or are you saving something to go back to the life that you used to live? That life that if you, were, if you will be honest with yourself and remember was not that great. That's why you cried out for Jesus to save you and change you. And grow you and love you. 
But now that it's getting hard, you have a tendency to want to go back. What's your limit? The main focus of today is to give in your life to God. But we could apply these same biblical concepts to everything we do in life. Don't leave anything to go back to. When you make a decision, go after it. Go after it. Don't go back. Become limitless. Don't let anything hold you back. And go all in on your marriages, your jobs, your friendships, your passions, your purpose. Do everything with these biblical concepts. And there are only two assurances for this biblical method. You can write these down if you want to. There's only two assurances that I can give for this biblical method. It won't be easy and it will be worth it. That's it. It will not be easy, but it will be worth it. So I have a question for you. It may seem like an unfair question, but it is the most important question you've ever been asked. And that question is this. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Let's go to God in prayer. God, you have so much to offer. You ask so little in return. You ask for a few years and you give us eternity. You ask us to follow you and you allow your son to be sacrificed so we can. You ask us to love and give us the way to do so. Father, I pray right now that you will speak to the hearts of all those that hear this. And let the Holy Spirit ask them, what are you doing here? And I pray that they realize the right answer. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.